I think I, I think I hear him. Hey, is that you? Hello, boys. <laughs> I have my own spot and everything. <laughs> mm. I need to go get a soda. Did you see my button? I did. It's I, uh, nice, Barry. I have a fantastic <laughs> four button. It's it's a fantastic button. Is it podcast worthy? Am I am I podcast worthy? Hello. Hey, Barry. Guess where I am? I'm on a podcast. No. Welcome to a perfectly acceptable Comics Place podcast, episode 115, decidedly Whoa. so. 115. 115. Where every Tuesday we get a whole bunch of comic books, you know, from somewhere. Um, we load them into our car. We bring them back to the shop. We, you know, pilfer through them, count them, sort them, rat finger them. Uh, we take them home. We get real, real excited about them. We read them. We come back to this place. Uh, we, you know, have a Wednesday with everybody. And then we uh, we come down to our new pap cave and uh, engage in a variety of tangents, either related to or unrelated to the books, our store, or the comings and goings of our lives. I am Jeff, and I realized this Tuesday that it is insane that I am in a relationship with somebody, Jana, who we picked the comic books up from, uh, where if she doesn't use the absolute bare minimum number of words to communicate with me... I feel like things are going well, and that is fucking <laughs> pathetic. I'm Django, and I don't really ever get to hang out with Jana. Well, no one hangs out with Jana. They just try and get her to say more than no words. New mission. What do you think she does at night? Who are you? Oh, I'm Justin, and this week has given me a hangover. <laughs> and I don't drink. No, and I don't know. Life hangover. Also, I'm intimidated by Jana. Jana. Oh, that was almost oh, Freudian. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> We're all intimidated by Django. And Django. What if we all rolled she out there? She smokes a lot of week? cigars. Well, Justin's got classes, so we, we would need a van. To... We would need a van. We already need a van. Let's do it. We should just all go and talk to her together. I'll go to Fountain Rentals. I'll rent us a van. We'll go over there, and we'll uh, we'll say hi to Jana. We'll horse those things out of there and l- lickety split. She won't even know that we'd been there. We'll be like a tornado. It's so cold in that building. It's so cold in that building. It's Jana. She doesn't yeah. like being cold for She's sure. like, oh, okay, I was going to say all of her nerve endings must be kind of dead. Well, she wears blankets, right? She wears yeah. blankets tight around her. Yeah. yeah. It's rad. Yeah, sometimes like, you conceal her concealed weapon under the blanket. Jeff, can I make you a suggestion? Please do. Next Christmas, will you buy Jana electric pants that stay warm? Do those exist? They must. If they don't, we'll make them. Okay. Yeah, you guys, you have really uh, an opportunity after this many years to really have like a flourishing friendship. Yeah, you'd think that, but mostly she's a hard woman. Real excited when she when she says, "Yeah, it's cold," which is like (laughs) not. It's nothing, but it is something. Mm Hmm. And that makes me feel like I'm winning. There's been a couple times where I've gone with you or had to go there by myself, um, maybe like one to three times. And I always forget what she said, but I would get this incredible impression that she just feels sorry for me. 
I don't know. <laughs> just um, like, I don't know. Oh, my God. Yeah, she like 100% she... doesn't remember you enough to be feeling. She doesn't think about me. Yeah. And I, I just, see her once a week. I am not saying that she does. I'm just saying, like, that's the emotion I get when I talk to her. I was like, you feel. Uh... Well, there was the one time that I went there, and she did say, do people still read comics? And I was like, I pick up a fuckload of boxes from you every week. If no one is reading these things, then it sucks. <laughs> what am I doing? Here? Why I, I put a lot of strain on my back doing this. <laughs> and neck. This week we're going to be talking about some books that are definitely going to get spoiled. Comic put books? some strains on your neck. Yeah, exactly. Mm. Um, spoiler strains. Uh, spoiler stains. Ew. <laughs> I like it. Oh, I <laughs> um, so if you're worried about spoilers, you should just take a step away, come back, you know, read your books, uh, or, or listen to this. I gotta be honest, there's nothing really in this week that is insanely spoiler heavy. Um, and if there was something real stressful, you know, we'd sidestep that. But oh, yeah. If not, you're just gonna hear three boys, um, and maybe Roman's gonna show up at some point, and, uh, <laughs> I'm here too. <laughs> but, uh, shut up, Bear. Um... <laughs> Yeah, he might he might show up, but uh, just sort of come with us. Get in this journey. Uh, you know, let's ride this sand snake to the end of time. Oh yeah, sand snake. What are we going to be talking about? I'm just going to be a hype man. Jungle, Jungho. Jungho. Yeah, yeah. Jungho. Yeah. We're going to be talking about Detective Comics nine ninety six. Also, Fantastic Four number six. Stan Lee. No, no, no. <laughs> Venom number ten. Superman number seven, oh. Invaders number one. Oh, by Chip Zdarsky. Chip Dirk Dirk. Ten th- issue of the X Men, and uh, Black Widow number one. Uh, Roman just texted me and said he ran my way. Hmm. So that's the wrong that's word a, to use. I don't know if that's a Ron joke because we have a friend named Ron or what, but uh, I texted Erica last night to tell her that Roman and I were going to go to the honeymoon. Uh-huh. And my phone auto-corrected it to, I'm going to the ho-dumping, I'm going to ho-dumping with Roman. <laughs> What'd she say? And then I, I replied and said, I meant the honeymoon. That's weird, auto-correct. And then she laughed. It was better if we didn't keep going. Oh, God, yeah, I really, how are we going to get out of that? Um, let's talk about Detective Comics. Well, let's talk real quickly about the <laughs> fact that last night we had our customer appreciation nice. party, which if you look somewhere on your feed or at the end of this podcast or something, you'll find a little uh, a little thing that we did sort of in the preparation and post period of that uh, customer appreciation party. We pulled aside the curtain. We parted the kimono, if you will. Ooh, yeah. And uh, we will. had a, a lot of fun, but I'm a pooped pup after all of that. We've done, we done the Lord's work, I would say. It was a lot of work. I feel like we put in more work on that sale than we have on other ones. Like for two or three days beforehand, prepping, having things planned out a little bit more um, more intricately than in the past. I would agree. Detective Comics 996 by Pat- Patrick Tomasi? Patrick Peter Tomasi and Doug Monkey. Oh, my gosh. Wow. You're going you're gonna to do a radio show, Jeff? Yeah? Do better. <laughs> Hey, Justin, let's see how long we can not talk and just, just let him go. Who's Henry Ducard? I can't oh. remember. You guys don't know who Henry Ducard is? So, Henri. Henri. Henri he was, he was He was the guy that uh, 
Oh, God. That name was used in Batman, Batman Begins, Begins, right? He's the guy that Ra's al Ghul pretends to be. He was right. one of Batman's first teachers. I think he's originally the one that, not the ninja guy that we see at the end. Like, because mm-hmm. you get a couple places where Bruce, like, there are consistent places where Bruce would train. Yeah. I think he was, like, before they backcasted and made Ra's al Ghul, he was your mountaintop okay. kung fu badass. And I. Or no, was he a, he was a thief, right? And he taught Bruce how to get out of stuff because Tomasi has brought up Ducard before. Yeah, well, Tomasi used him in the in the Batman and Robin uh, New 52, right? Yeah. Like the first, the first two trades of that or something. Um, I don't, I don't think I read those okay. and I only know him from the movie. So I don't really know his backstory in the comics. I don't know how far back he goes. That's a name that I'm pretty familiar with, I think. He's been referenced maybe in Grant Morrison's run, maybe okay. not. Um, he's been around for a while. Um, in this, Descartes seems like the one that I remember. Like, he's a gun-toting, mustachioed um, Trixie guy. We bring up Henry Ducard because uh, in this issue, the third issue of Tomasi's Detective Comics run, um, it, it becomes clear to Bruce and Damien that he is somehow involved. They're still trying to track down whoever is... Uh, actively destroying all of the people who helped form Batman. Yeah. So he was apparently an early trainer. I was just like, this seems like a thing that Justin and Django would both know more about than I do. I think he's got a su- pseudo historiography. Like I think he he is someone that's supposed to be around all the time and old, but he didn't come. He wasn't there in like the early issues. So um, Bruce goes to France, I believe, is where, where he ends up. Francais. Mm-hmm. Francais. Um, and, and he does his Batman shit in France, which was awesome. He does. Yeah. You even see Matches Malone. <clears throat> Do you think he does it in French? Oh, he absolutely speaks French. Oh, he's, yeah. He's, is his French perfect? Oh, of course. It's about Bruce Batman is fucking perfect. Wayne. Matches it's Malone. Bruce, it's Bruce Frenching Wayne. <laughs> I love Matches Malone. I don't know why. I remember when I was a kid, I was like, that's the dumbest thing, but he's grown on me. Yo, he sure has. I want, like that mustache on his upper lip. I know. Oh, and that jaw. Give me a Chris Burnham Matches Malone. Mm-hmm. I'm in. Yeah. Mm. He punches a little dirtier than Batman would, you know, just oh, yeah. a little more knuckle in there than Batman would. He also would smokes in. cigarettes, I yeah. bet. Yeah. Yep. And flicks matches at people. Hey, kid. Ah! So after doing some very good detective work, Bruce, spoilers, Batman. Matches. Uh, matches. Uh, tracks down Henry Ducard to a, he's just hanging out in a room filled with skulls, eating sardines. <laughs> killing rats with toothpicks. That's what rats. I do on an any given weekend. I'm like, guys, I can't come to the podcast. I got to sit in my skull room and, you know, Vlad the Impaler style, pick up rats with toothpicks. <laughs> and like... I guess it doesn't take more than a couple pages to realize Henry's not behind it, but then this crazy homunculus of every villain that Batman's ever fought shows up. Dude, the the, the lead into that guy showing up with just a couple of eyes in the skulls. Yeah. And you don't even notice them until it zooms in on it, and then you look back at the previous panel and you see the, the eyes again. When I turned the page and got that splash page of the homunculus, I was... Super excited. I felt like you would be into that. I I said, yeah! (laughs) Yeah, I like the way that the language for all of them sort of bled into one another. Yeah. But what do you think this thing is, Justin? 
I don't know. I don't like Batman fighting monsters. I cannot get over that. I was sitting there, like, I like him fighting. I can even handle kind of somewhat culty stuff in there, occulty stuff, but I cannot handle monsters or heavy magic. I thought it was Clayface at first, but yeah. then he didn't say it was Clayface. And in fact, he said that he's fought it before. It's it's the mutated version of the monster from the first one. Like, I think that thing's evolving or being spliced. Sure. Oh, that killed Leslie Thompson. Okay. Yeah. Okay. It's the same thing. I liked it. Yeah, I liked it too. So he fights that thing and gets rid of it, and then he goes, he hikes up a big old wintry mountain. Very quickly. And the monster kills Ducard. Like, don't forget that, oh, right? Oh, did he kill oh, Ducard? Yeah, Ducard's like, you, your, your son killed my son, and now you got me, or whatever. I hope you're happy, Bruce. Poor Ducard. Except he probably calls him Wayne, because he doesn't. Wayne. Yeah, we didn't Ducard see him doesn't die, use though. I'm sure he's Bruce right. Names. Also, Bruce does not seem broken up about the death of Henry Ducard. Well, he was a butthole. Henry? Yeah. Bruce just doesn't process emotions in these Batman comics. I love that when Bruce is like, quit pointing that damn gun at my face, he's like, <laughs> what does he say? Um, your distaste for firearms against your prey is still a thing. Huh? <laughs> yeah. It's just like, I love that it's a thing. It's like, it's kind of the whole principle of who I am. <laughs> yeah. It is a thing. thing. <laughs> 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 So then they're in North Korea, and he drops. How does he transport? Uh, high altitude, low, uh, a halo jump. Mm. High altitude, low, letting your parachute go. Okay. So he he jumped from a plane that was super ridiculously high, and they let his parachute open at the last second. Gosh. Just like Ethan Hunt in Mission Impossible: Fallout. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Fall out of a plane. <laughs> and That's so, Ethan Hunt's face as he's dropping. <laughs> <laughs> and Henry Cavill's like, <laughs> love that movie. Um, did you see the new one? I didn't see it. Oh, oh yeah. God. I yeah. saw it twice. I saw it three times. Second time I sat. Well, I saw it four in times. In the front row. It is the most like spy thing ever. Yeah. So it, good. It's good. Oh, God. Okay. I, I've heard nothing but positive things about it, which sounds unbelievable to me. The mustache. So we get one of my favorite things, uh, which is Batman in the snow. Oh, I just yeah. love I Batman love the, in the snow. He has like a capy scarf there in one shot when he's climbing the mountain. And he's talking to one of his old <coughs> trainers or whatever. I don't know exactly what happened there. But I guess, who is this Mr. Miracle that shows up at the end? I don't know Thaddeus. I know... I think Scott and I know Shiloh. Is he the JSA one that first showed up pre-New Gods? Like, is he an older one that predates before they did the cosmic stuff? I think Mr. Miracle's first appearance was in Mr. Miracle number one. Was a New God? Because they say the God, old yeah. Mr. Miracle in the last... Because they mentioned Thaddeus in the last issue. They're like, oh, and huh. the old Mr. Miracle taught me how to get out of this shit. And Roman was like, yeah, the original one. So I thought maybe that predated the God stuff. Oh, for in, in that issue, the Professor Pig issue? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I don't know. Maybe they're trying to bring this guy back. I, I guess we've said it, but, like, it seems just, like, classic Batman. Like, oh, it that's, seems that's Roman. It seems like it could be 10, 10 years ago. It could be 15 years ago. What do you guys think? I, th- I think it's, hey. uh, I think this, this feels like uh, Batman from... Hi, Roman, I'm in your chair. <laughs> you old sardine can, you? <laughs> oh, 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 oh. Sardine can. <laughs> yeah, don't you know? You're like a, a big old salty fish. <laughs> Give me my chair back. Hey, everybody. Um, Barry's here. Oh, so is Roman. I'm Jeff. Ro- I'm Django. I'm Justin. And... And I'm Roman. 
he just high altitude, low in low God, what oscillation, low <laughs> Mission Impossible cheek. Yeah. What does that mean? Uh, hey, what do you think about uh, of Detective Comics this week, Roman? Detective Comics? Yeah. Um, do we have a copy? Give it to me real quick here. Uh, I remember enjoying it. I don't know. Have we seen this dude before? That's Ducard. That We spent a good eight minutes talking about that. <laughs> <laughs> I, okay, because I re- kind of remember the name. I liked it. I, I, I'm going to try and splice this little bit of Roman audio that we got into the last ten minutes to make it sound <laughs> like he's here. Okay, cool. He's been here since the, the beginning. I don't know what to make of this weird, weird, weird-ass creature here thing, but I like Ducard himself. Um, I know you like Matches Malone. I was, I was glad to see Matches Malone. Now that you, you giant rod of a man, are here, can you tell us anything about uh, Thaddeus, Mr. Miracle? Um, but first, he, are you chewing gum? He's chewing like... Yeah, I am chewing gum. Okay. <laughs> Sorry. So. I've never seen you chewing gum. No. I, I, it's kind of hot. Thaddeus, that Mr. Miracle, he was the original, the first Mr. Miracle which we never saw being Mr. Miracle. He was oh. just kind of Scott uh, Free's oh mentor. That's where oh. Scott Free got the name and the costume. Well, I don't know if he got the costume. Kind of the costume from. But he's the one that taught Scott Free about being like a circus performer, that kind of thing. Okay. okay. Not the performance arts. Dude, you chewing gum makes you look 10 years younger. Yeah. And a little like slight. You can't chew gum on a podcast because we're going to pick up the audio the whole time, but I just want you to know... <laughs> it stuck to my finger. Do you guys remember the Rocketeer when he puts the, he fixes the hole on the plane with the gum? Or on the oh, back yeah. with the gum? Yeah. That's so fucking good. I love that movie. What was that sound? I'm trying to just, you know, solve a problem. Here, Roman just broke Justin Simon. Yeah. <laughs> you see that? Justin just gave Roman a cookie. He this is an audio medium. No one can see anything. Oh, I wasn't talking to them. I was talking to you. What are we doing here? <laughs> we can edit this out in post. Fuck it. Uh, I got a busy day ahead of me. Okay, Fantastic Four, number we, six. We oh, get, yeah, we, Detective, right. uh, what, what do you give it, Jeff? Uh, I give it an eight. I, I would have liked if this issue got us a little bit more answers. I feel like mm-hmm. um, three issues of still not knowing anything is, is maybe a, maybe keeping me on the line a little longer than I would like. For sure. I, I'd give this an eight and a half. I, I think I'd give you the run so far like a nine or a nine and a half. Yeah. It's very compelling. Um, so much so that people who dropped Detective are subscribing to b- subscribing again to Detective. It sure messed up our numbers. It's pretty cool. Yeah. I like it. I'm going to give it a seven. Uh, the direction that it's going in isn't exactly what I hoped. I was more interested in the Zorro, Alfred killing thing and playing with memories of his past, which is still kind of doing, but seeing Batman zanily jump from old trainer to old trainer... I don't know if I care about, and I don't like monsters, but I do like Batman with a sword. Do you guys think that Leslie Tompkins is actually dead and that Descartes is actually also dead, or do you think that this is all some sort of misdirection? I don't yeah. think Leslie Tompkins, Tompkinson is dead. They can't kill Leslie. I hope she's not. I mean, she's been a Batman mainstay character since, I don't know, the 70s? Since the night 70s? Bruce's parents were killed. <laughs> well, yeah, that too. What do you give it, Roman? Um, I'll give it a 7.5. I... I like the revisiting Batman's old teachers, that kind of thing. I don't care about the monsters either, but, yeah, I like that kind of mystery going along with them. Roman only likes monsters when they're in prison, like in Kaiju Max. Mm-hmm. I like yeah. monsters a lot, too, but it just breaks the whole Batman thing for me. <clears throat> yeah. 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 I could see that. I like him fighting humans as monsters. Yeah. 
Dan Slott, Aaron Cooter, Fantastic Four, number six. What did everybody think of this one? I think we need to clarify Ooh. that Aaron Cooter spells his name K-U-D-E-R. Yeah, he's an artist we've Just, talked a lot about on this Poco. Yeah, but we've never talked about it, the, the spelling of his name. That's true. Um, I really like this issue. I've liked a good amount of this series, but definitely not all of it. Um, the first thing I thought, so it, it opens with uh, Doom battling Galactus. The first thing I thought was, why does Galactus keep coming back here? There's a lot of fucking planets, and that's stupid that we keep having to fight him. Like, doesn't he just, couldn't he go somewhere else and, yep. and eat that planet? And then they addressed that in the end of the issue, and I really liked it. Is it something you defect, like you go to a restaurant to get your favorite thing, and they're like, oh, we're all out of that today. And I'm going to get that. I'm yeah, going to get that Yeah, next that's week. my yeah. favorite. No, I'm... <laughs> I'm going to get my Reuben. But <laughs> I'm going to get that Reuben. That but how does he mine. know what we taste like? He hasn't been allowed to eat us. But he wants it so fucking yeah. Okay, all right. It's all, it's all the anticipation. Yeah. Anyway, I, li- I like that they, uh, they explained why that was happening. Um, I think I might have skipped the last issue in the wedding special, mm-hmm. and I don't, feel, I don't feel like I missed anything just based on this issue. Um, this had probably my favorite scene in a comic this week, which was uh, when the Fantastic Four is flying towards Latveria looking for trouble. Um, Johnny is in one of the one of the sidecars getting dressed because he they, they left the wedding to do it. And uh, Sue is in the other one getting dressed. And just the pictures of him like his body language is perfect in each one trying to put his pants on while he's while he's in this little tiny confined space and Sue's doing the same thing but she turned invisible and uh I just really enjoyed the the invisible clothes getting put on and and that kind of slapstick stuff you know that's probably not what you were hoping I would like out of this issue but, uh, <laughs> <laughs> well I, uh, in that I like the fact that Ben is you know you know show show some respect yeah, you know, cause that's just it's so much his character. Yeah, he's like that. not looking at her. Yeah, yeah, he's averting his eyes. Mm-hmm. Um, I thought it was interesting that uh, the woman that Thanos had created has been ha- has become Thanos. The goal, uh, sorry, uh, Doctor Doom created this this superheroine, and Galactus took her to be his new herald. <laughs> I I did too, though. It's funny that. This only means something to Jeff. That when she said her name, Victorious, all I could hear was, was Glorious. Bobby Roode's theme song from WWE. Because <laughs> that's part of the lyrics. Yeah. Roman, what, what were your feelings on the issue? I really liked this issue. Um, great Fantastic Four interaction. I mean, I love the thing. He's one of my favorite characters in, in any literature. Um, Galactus is a great villain. I pretty much the only thing I didn't like in this issue. I don't like Reed's beard. <laughs> he looks weird in a beard. I'm um, I'm into the beard. Really? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I got no problem with the beard. I like the Doctor Doom uh, kind of manipulation of this whole situation and uh, and of Galactus himself. I like the artwork. I, I, this is a great Fantastic Four issue. I thought. I oh that. The, the the Valeria and Franklin's names they picked for themselves, I uh, those are pretty rough. But at the same time, I'm like, you know, kids that age, this kind of makes sense that they would pick names like this. Except for Valeria because, you know, she's 
you'd think with her smarts, she would pick a better name. What did but. you think of Alicia being a total dickhead about doing the dishes? <laughs> <laughs> was she a dickhead? Yeah. She was like uh, – she came up with some really bad excuse and then uh, the her mom or the whoever the old lady is there busted her on it. Oh, and she's like, oh, yeah, you got me. But that's it. Like she didn't say, OK, I'll come help. She's like, oh, yeah, busted. Yeah. Fuck you, do the dishes. <laughs> yeah, she gets the kids to do the dishes. I, I don't know. That's pretty awesome. I, I, yeah, they're teenagers. I make them do it. <laughs> um, I'm not like I like Aaron Cooter, but I am not super impressed with this art. Aaron Cooter has done stuff that I really like, and I, I think that it's maybe the coloring. I think that I've not cared for the coloring on this whole run. Hmm. And that one panel that you showed of them getting dressed in the cart was actually the panel where I stopped and looked at the colorist's name because, like, I love purple. It's my favorite color. But, like, this whole thing is so awash with, like, ambiguous purples and, like, everything is glossy. Like, they... The artist yeah. or colorist like draws everything to be really glossy. And why would you make that purple when you're fighting a purple guy? And it, I mean, not even so much that. It's just I, for whatever reason, I've not particularly cared for the coloring. It's got like a weird flat gloss gradient to everything that I haven't been into. I really like Aaron Cooter's art, and this is one of my lesser favorite instances of of him. Who is the colorist? Uh, I looked up the name, but I forget. Uh, Marta Gracia and Eric Arseniega. So it actually looks like more than one colorist at different times. Yeah. Like there's this first page I think is a very different person than the other stuff. And this first page is what the whole series has looked like. Yeah. Um, I really like the shot of Doom like getting ready to battle Galactus. Yeah, that, that one. That big splash page. Yeah. That's rad. Oh, yeah. Although I would have liked a little more context to what Galactus is standing on because I, I have a really hard time with big, you know, big, yeah. big, big bads. I want to see the house that they're standing he on. He may not be standing on anything because he stands in the air a lot of times. He oh, does Jesus. float. Yeah, he, 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 he defies the laws of gravity. That. I don't believe I, I do, I do like the spell, <clears throat> the spell sigils yeah. and stuff around Doom's hands. Yeah, what I else agree. has Cooter drawn? I can't remember. I he did have... action comics for a long yep, time. Yeah, in the New 52. Yeah, yeah near the end of it. Yeah, um, he did that Greg Pack run that was pretty cool. Soups yeah. was out in space for a while. and Yeah. I remember his art being like there was a lot more extraneous lines, and I think the inker did a better job of marrying his style because this, looking through it, the art is, seems less detailed, and I think that's just because the colors are going over a lot of like the – kind of squiggliness that it's, he has. Yeah, it's weird. I totally agree. It's just like way less of what I think of his style to be. It's like lower resolution. For sure. Oh, um, okay. And yeah, and in general, I don't know. I, I wasn't, I thought this issue was fine. I love Galactus, but I, you know, I want, I want a more intelligent Fantastic Four book. Uh, yeah, that's this, fair. This just doesn't have the stuff that I love about Fantastic Four. I do like the interplay between the family, and I do think that he's doing that in a good way. Like that that scene of them getting dressed in the car, I thought was very charming. Um, but yeah, I I want it to be a little bit more challenging. I just like a good punch him up seven and a half. Yeah. <laughs> How do you feel about Doom kind of returning to his not trying to be a hero? Um, I don't have a problem with that story structure or that that idea, but I just don't think. The, the whole thing just has a lack of intelligence to it. It's not dumb. It's just like no one seems like they're 
super intelligent. And that's what this family to me is, is kind of five of the smartest people on the earth, except for the thing who has the biggest heart of anybody, you know, and, um, that's just not present in this. And I, I, re- I was really excited for this issue and I love, you know, Dr. Doom and, and Galactus and I, I still want this. I still keep reading it and I, I want it to be better, but I, I just, the sad thing is I want it to be better. Hmm. Yeah. But I am very glad that other people are digging it. I, I mean, cause you know, I'm basing mine off of one run that I love, and this might be more in line with the history of Fantastic Four. I mean, I'm six issues in on a new Fantastic Four series. That surprises me. Um, I would give it a six. Seven and a half. Justin didn't read it. He looked good while while he puffed through this, yeah. Um, Boy, I have to reconsider now. Uh, I'll give it a seven. I'll give it a seven. I'm enjoying it, but yeah, actually, you're right about the intelligence um, and I'm hoping that that comes, we see more of that. Valeria is not even smart enough to get out of doing the dishes. That makes Alicia Masters smarter than Valeria. <laughs> and Sorry, reducing everybody. Franklin to strength, <laughs> like the kids to just being brains and brawn. I fucking hate that. There's yeah, so much too. more. Yeah, see, I could to see kids. Franklin calling himself Powerhouse, but Valeria, I thought, would have come up with a better name for herself. Yeah, but also, I don't. I, I think that Franklin would He's do the a, spirit of creativity. In imagination. Mm-hmm, like, yeah. that's the spirit of who he is. Not He's a creative Ron. powerhouse. Oh. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. Dan Slott is God. <laughs> Just like you. Yeah, and, and emotionally, you know, he's what, 13 years old? I mean, that's that was, that was But the, isn't he the smartest the 14-year-old ever? Well, she is. Oh. He's not. <laughs> you leave Jeff alone, you I was being serious. Angry, dusty man. Barry. Dusty, dusty, dusty. <laughs> um, yeah, Roman, what was your score on it? Uh, I just said it. What was oh, it? Sorry, seven and a half? Okay, cool. You gave it a seven, but you can make oh, it a seven, seven? and a half. Okay, yeah, I'll, I'll stay seven. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, seven for four. No, uh, whoever gives a score that I don't think is what they would give it, can I stuff a peanut butter cookie in their mouth? How many peanut butter yeah. cookies do we have left? Why was that not what you think I should give it? We got one and some crumbs. I give it a ten. Crumb for you. <laughs> <laughs> now give it what you really think. What well, well, I really think. Give it a ten. No, not a ten. Uh, okay. All right, seven. What's our next book, Justin? Um, our next book is Benham number ten. Bendo. Bendo. Oh, that's what I didn't read. Is this by uh, Donald Cates? Donald no. Cates and Ryan Stegman. Do you think his name is Donald? No, maybe. Donnie. Donnie. Mm. Arnold, Arnold Don's and Donald Donnie's Donald. He's Don Juan. Don Juan. Kate, hey, Donnie, Kato. help me get this corpse out of my trunk. <laughs> sure thing. Donnie and Clyde. Sure thing, Clyde. <laughs> you think I'm funny? You think I'm a joke? To you? What <laughs> We're all about good fellas. <laughs> hey, speaking of good fellas. I missed a few epi- issues of this, and there are some new fellas that don't seem to be too good in here. <laughs> yeah, so at the end of the last issue, uh, Bendo goes back home and uh, sees his super hyper uh, abusive father, and at the end meets his younger half-brother. Mm-hmm. Whoa, first appearance, kids. And yep. and then this, yeah, takes place with he and the two brothers hanging out and having dinner. Does the symbiote uh, symbiote symbiote does the symbiote start liking the <laughs> half brother? It's it's all fucked up. It's derm. Like it can't do anything. And derm is D U R M. It's when you get oh, derm. too burned and become dumb. Or you're derm. Yeah. Or you're just dumb. <laughs> uh, 
Spokane, I was at a light and the streets felt like the light was measured in properly because there was always this one block where there was a bunch of cars that couldn't always get through the light. And so sometimes a, a lane would have to go around and I was in that car and one time this hillbilly was bombing down and he went around me and my window was down and a guy screamed out of his window, you're damn! And you could hear the R in it. Damn! So that's how I ref- – Yeah. I, I have a similar word. It's drunk with an O. D R O N K. Sometimes, uh, sometimes you're drunk. Sometimes you're drunk. Yeah, real drunk. I'm <laughs> so drunk. But anyways, so they're having some family drama. Jeff, how'd you feel about like them adding this personal history to Eddie Brock, where he killed somebody by drunk driving? What? I don't what? mind it actually. Um, so I was reading it. And it bugged the shit out of me. And what helped me kind of deal with it more was thinking, well, Jeff will probably liked it and probably had a good reason for liking it. Save him, Obi-Wan. Well, Obi. I was just irrationally disliking it because it, to me, doesn't – yeah. It doesn't line up with, like, Eddie Brock being the re- pathetic reporter guy that – Yeah. I mean, for so for me, I haven't read a lot of, like, Venom, like, Lethal Protector and that sort of stuff. So I don't know a lot about his past. So for me, it really is easy to retcon stuff because it's sort of a void of time for me. And I guess, like, pathetic uh, reporter Venom, to me, he seems like he comes from a place of damage. And he yeah. seems like he's coming from a place of wanting to prove something. And, and that proving something... Um, you know, could be not wanting to be worthless or or not wanting to be a colossal fuck up. Yeah, so I mean, it wasn't a huge uh, bridge of anything for me. I am sort of astounded by we are really making him a broken person yeah, now. Yeah, he's he's a fuck up. <laughs> yeah, and you know, I, I like competent Eddie Brock. You know, I love animated series Eddie Brock for sure. Um, but it doesn't that guy to me doesn't seem like he. This is an impossible thing that could have happened to him. For sure. It's just a little more white trash than I thought Eddie Brock was. Well, like, but yeah, what's interesting is like his dad was this like politically powerful person, a like socially powerful person. Yeah. And I don't know what he did, but that that to me was the more interesting thing, which of like he seems like a real white trash guy now. What was he? Mm-hmm. And it, it seems weird to me that he's fallen that far. Um I guess I'm also surprised by how low Eddie seems to be willing to let like you know he's homeless right now for sure and that that doesn't seem so much like my Eddie to me but again um, you know the voice for the character has still seemed consistent even though the circumstances around him has changed so I I haven't that that's not too much of an issue for me Um, do you feel like I guess not having read a whole bunch of Venom before this. Yeah, right. Yeah, come on, uh, no, yeah, you, I'm talking about right. you, not oh, me. Okay, okay. Um, <laughs> I was going to say, you're getting a cookie. <laughs> I feel like this is revealing that Venom or that, that Eddie killed somebody drunk driving is something that we – there's no way we wouldn't have known about. And there's no way that that wouldn't have informed years and years of his actions and his personality. And throwing that in at this point – it goes along with the whole theme of comics always retconning things, but that seems like a big deal that would that should have been addressed by now. Yeah, if that makes sense, and it does make sense. Um, and I, I could see feeling that way. That that, did, that didn't register to me. Um, okay. yeah. But it it yeah. Sorry. Do we feel like this is like 
Eddie has got so much shit about his home life in this thing that he's trying to cover that up when he was in New York being a reporter. Like this is like I was reading this like a secret origin issue. Like maybe this mm-hmm. is the this is the shit Eddie Brock didn't want you to know. Yeah, I, and I've I've sort of just been kind of like I haven't read a lot of that Venom stuff, so I'm just kind of like this is being my history of Eddie. This Brock. is your canon. Yeah, yeah. and uh, and it's just because this is the longest I've read a monthly Venom book, so. So I'm just kind of taking it for what it is. And there's a for lot of sure, stuff that I, I do like. And there's some stuff that I like less. What I really, really liked is just at the end. Like, yeah, Eddie, I, I guess I didn't love that he that the symbiote was showing up and he ended up attacking his brother because he was confused. We've just been seeing that a lot lately, Batman and Gordon. Um, but uh, the kid has to take the kid to the – or his – brother Eddie to the hospital and when he comes to he he gets to be let in this room and the maker who was in the earlier issues is there and he says uh, uh, to answer your actual question your brother has quite a lot of cancer and I just love that wording for cancer <laughs> he has quite a lot of cancer and he is just hooked up to this machine and there's symbiote goo everywhere and he is just like fucked up and evil Reed Richards is working on him and um, to me th- that was the bulk of the issue. You know, the diner stuff took up most of it, but I, I'm, I don't know, I'm still kind of less interested in that because I'm, I'm, Donnie Case to me is just like frosting, you know, like mm-hmm. I'm, and I love the frosting. So even when he's kind of changing the recipe of the cake, I'm not even, I don't care too much because like it's just all these weird, like, God, they're doing that. That's crazy type of stuff. So will you guys help me remember to not sleep on, Donny Cates next time because this is the second series that I'm so far behind in with by Donny Cates that I'm never going to catch up. Guardians of the Galaxy number two next week. Yeah, or number one next week. Oh right? God, I was going to say I'm yeah. already behind on <laughs> Guardians. <laughs> yeah, I don't let me not read those for sure right? because I'm mad at myself for not catching up with Venom, and I'm mad at myself for never having read that Thanos run. That's five issues. You could read that at any time, yeah. five or six. Yep. And they're fun. They're quick and real easy to get through. I only read four comics for this week, guys. Yeah, yeah. everybody, we had a real <laughs> big uh, party last night, which you'll hear about even more and in that, that other podcast. So, uh, yeah, bear with us because we're sort of piecemealing this one together. We kind of drowned in stuff this week. We are hyping that podcast. I give Venom a six. <laughs> uh, yeah, and I know. I... I <laughs> Was initially a little more excited by this run, but I think it's taking kind of wild leaps and bounds, and I don't ever feel like there's a consistent feeling. Like, so there was Venom fighting this god, and then he was uh, Flash Thompson Venom, and then he's Dog Venom, and now he's Cancer Venom. I feel like I can't quite get a feel for the overarching – like there doesn't feel enough like there's connective tissue between the the issues. Um, the most interesting part is the maker and him still being, being around and – Wanting to, you know, maybe him as the villain of of the book is the most interesting part. Yeah, me. I'm with you. Uh, I think this second volume has been a little bit weirder yeah. uh, it, and, and a little bit more aimless. But I, I do think that there was so much success of the first one, the first arc that he is trying to find a direction. Um, I give this one a seven. Yeah, it, it, I would say one of the weaker issues of the series, but... I, I'm glad that we got the maker back into it, and that's where we're headed. Well, geez, a six and a seven. Don't remind me to read Guardians next week. (laughs) I mean, it's very good, but... It's the best Venom book there ever was. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. you got to read Guardians. Cosmic Ghost Rider's in it. I kind of like the idea of Venom being all these different things, and I I wonder if he's leading up to something where, like, we're going to get a Galactus Venom or something like that. Like, if Venom is that... Omni-Venom. ...malleable and, and can 
kind of do whatever it wants. Man, I didn't think about a Galactus Venom, but that is the coolest mental image ever. That's like a T-Rex Venom? I can feel Times you. a thousand. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Your heat. Superman, number seven. <sighs> Speaking of heat, heat vision. <laughs> Brian Michael Bendis, Ivan Reese, and Peterson. What did, uh, what happened? Superboy's lost years. There are nine fonts on this cover, Jeff. What? That's true. There are four, five very different fonts. <laughs> Six very different fonts. Seven very different fonts. It's I, just font, 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 font. I like it. I like a lot of fonts. Pervert. Oliphant. <laughs> Timothy Oliphant. Uh, Roman, what happened here? Oh, what happened? Um, Superboy finally showed back up. Uh, he looks like a dink. You know, he, yeah, he's older now. He was, what, 11 when he left, and now he's, like, 17. Um, Superman stunned. Yeah, there was a time discrepancy. They went through a warp at some point, Jor-El and Superboy and Lois. So now Superboy's... I can't do math. Now Superboy's 17 instead of 11. That sounds right to me. Yeah. yeah. It's six yeah, years. 17. Yeah. And it's only been a few months for Superman, but it's been six years. Like Superboy. three weeks or something, or three right? Weeks? Yeah, yeah. I think yeah. they yeah. said Superman three weeks. Superman says in somewhere there. in here. Um, so it's just the two of them getting caught up. Uh, there's a... Uh, Wonderful scene where they go back to Lois. Oh, yeah. When they go back to Lois and... Superman's outside the window, and right away she's like turns and she's like, "Oh, hey!" and starts flirting, and then all of a and Superman the, the look on his face as he puts his hand in front of Superboy's in front of their son's eyes, so he doesn't see Lois like <laughs> showing her cleavage. <laughs> um, and then they're just shocked. It's just silent for three panels because she's stunned to see her son, and he's much older than when last time she saw him. I thought yeah. she went on the journey with him. She did, but she came. It says in this issue she came back a little early because she realized that. Superboy was fine with uh, Grandpa, and she didn't need to be out there, and it, she was getting a little freaked out, you know, just on the journey. So she figured, well, you know, I'm going to be in the way of whatever my son needs to do on this journey. So she came back. Hmm. Yeah. Um, well, I'll – okay, well, sorry. Why don't you finish no, the no, song? Well, I was just going to say this was my favorite book of the week. I yeah. – you know, th this whole John disappearing and then aging and coming back and, and just him going away with Jor-El to begin with was a thing I wasn't necessarily sure about. And I still don't ne really know how I feel about it. But I think that the way that they conveyed the sadness that would come along with your son coming back and missing like six of the more formidable years of their life. Uh, I don't have kids, but I really felt that in the interactions in this book. Um yeah, I, I, it made me sad, and that's just like that's a way that you can hurt Superman, or that Superman can be damaged in a way that he's like invulnerable in so many ways. But uh, that type of loss is a thing that you can't really come back from unless you undo it somehow. Hmm. Yeah, that yeah, you can you can uh, put poison inside him, or kryptonite him, or hurt his feelings. Yeah, that's the thing. When I was reading this, actually, I thought of you, Django, because I don't have kids. You're I the thought only of Django, one, too. You're the only one of us here that has kids. And I'm like, wow, what would, what would this do to you? Daddy and I. If, you know, See, okay, guys, this is this is father issues as opposed to daddy issues like we've been talking about. <laughs> <Okay. laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, it would be super weird. And, you know, honestly, I miss Dylan growing up. So, like, this is kind of... 
you know, I kind of jumped into his life at the same time that Superman is is has been jumped into. So now this Superboy's book can life. mean a lot more to you. You're like, this is how Superman would deal with my life situation. Kind of. I mean, Superman didn't have other kids to watch grow up, so he's got no context for that part of it. Yeah, that's you true. Know? So really... like, he doesn't. A, he doesn't know what he missed, but B, he doesn't know what he missed. If that makes sense. And he I didn't think... know what he didn't know. <clears throat> yeah, I think yeah. it's really cool uh, what they. The way that they, you know, John's trying to recount to them, he's like, okay, well, it's only been three weeks to you, but it's been like six years to me, but I still remember it very much. Like, I left because I was mad about something. He's like, yeah, you left because you didn't make it into the Teen Titans. And he's like, oh, yeah. <laughs> and I just like, I like, I like this way of talking about comic book continuity that we've just recently seen in the last several months to have somebody then talking about it from the future and remembering it. And it's just a fun way of uh, reliving comic book continuity. The art was was pretty good. I mean, Ivan Reese was probably some of his better art in this series. I really like this issue quite a bit. Um, I had some big problems with it, though. Yeah. Get in there. What would you think of Lobo? Um, I, the same thing I think about all of Lobo. Oh, you're I so wrong. I don't think much about it. You're so wrong. <laughs> <laughs> I, I think that Bendis has maybe the worst voice for Lobo oh, I've ever seen. Wow. <laughs> it was... It it did not fit my logo. Hashtag did not fit my logo. Lobo. That logo's got one of the wrong uh fonts in it. Ugh. Um yeah, he was he was just a little too snappy and not dirty enough. Like yeah. he he seemed like what somebody would write as uh biker dialogue if they had to write for the CW. Um, I could see that. I tell you what, I don't know anything about Lobo, but I did really like a portion of it. Like I really liked when he said, you know, he's I guess self John sort of self-identifies as a kid and and Lobo says, You're a man when you decide to be. Mm-hmm. Ain't no one handing out certificates or nothing. Decide to. And regardless of who Lobo is or whether or not fits him, I because I haven't read any of his stuff, I I, I liked that way, and I was, it was I was reminded of a quote that I had heard, which is 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 basically I don't know. Appreciate the people who treat your children like adults, because the first adults to treat your children like adults will always you know mean something to them. Like, yep. uh, and that just seemed like the first instance to me where someone was treating John like an adult and not yeah. a kid. And I thought that that was a, a pretty well done thing, but maybe it didn't need to be Lobo. Yeah, I mean, that, that part was oh, fine. At least he's and ugly again. Just his, his grammar in the first first panel totally took me out of that character, which is fine. Like, you know, it's better than young, sexy Lobo, who we've had for a while. And he does have the codpiece, which it's... Uh, he's got a full march for the codpiece. Metal codpiece. Um, yeah. I also had a hard time with some of the, the places that uh, like when, when Superman shows up with with John... To meet Lois, she's at her house, and then then they go to some other place. They go to a public bar to hang out, right? They go to the Drake Bar on another rooftop in Metropolis. I, I was confused. And by at that. the end, like at the end, you see some people cleaning the bar and watching Superman and Lois talk to their son. It just seemed really careless to me. Yeah, and I think that that is more of an Ivan Reese thing, but I think that what's happening there is that Lois lives in these high apartments, mm-hmm. and that's some sort of just below that, like, 
awning area or store area. Like she lives above a cafe or something. And that seems like a reckless place to hang out in that. It doesn't seem like a good way to hang out to talk to your kids. Having everybody wondering, hey, that woman lives upstairs. She knows Superman and Superboy. Right. You should probably stay in your apartment. Yeah. That said, I thought this issue was really, really well done. I thought that the flashback that they did to the Man of Steel series Mm -hmm. was one page and exactly what we needed. And and fit that art perfectly, Mm. yeah. Uh, I like that the big ship that they went to looks like an upside-down Millennium Falcon. And really, in space, what's right side up? <laughs> and then uh, I thought that the cliffhanger, Grandpa is fucking crazy. So that, uh, that was, was another awesome. great part, which is that whole Man of Steel thing that Bennis had started in, like, the Oz, Ozymandias, the Oz effect earlier on. Like, it was, who is Jor-El? Like, what is this guy? And do we trust him? Is it actually his dad? And that the fact that John says, like, what I've been trying to get back home to tell you is Grandpa is completely insane, and we have to do something about it. And that's just, like... You know, that goes from daddy issues to father issues. You know, like, it's it, this issue's got both. Because now Superman's like, oh, oh happy issues. Yeah. That's not how well, that's what this is called as pap issues. Yeah. <laughs> Perfectly accessible <laughs> podcast issues. Uh, yeah, I, I, I like that. I really want to know what's going on. What happened with Crazy Grandpa for six years? Like, that's this, this we do? you know, crazy <clears throat> drama of this kid being stuck in this place in the middle of nowhere with his grandpa who's losing his mind and is dangerous. And how did he get out? And I really like the questions that that rose up. So I, I really like this issue. I give it a nine. I give it an eight. I yeah. would give it an eight and a half if uh, Lobo hadn't hadn't he put an S on the end of a word that, At, that pissed me off. Dis <laughs> is what I really didn't like. Oh yeah, uh, dis and did did you brings the whole Justice League two? Yeah, that's not Lobo. Yeah, that's, that's somebody from Goodfellas. I actually yeah. give it an eight point five because I think the art's not not a nine. Yeah, it didn't have to be Lobo. It could have been any any other character. And did you notice? I just saw saw this. Did you notice? <laughs> There's an ambush bug like. Except it's like a kid and ambush bug in this one panel. <laughs> huh. Listen, for uh, listeners that aren't familiar with ambush bug, catch up. <laughs> not everybody has read Justice League International. It's not Justice League International. No, it's, he's, it's way worse He than first that. appeared in Action Comics. But yeah, somebody last night at the party got like some ambush bug issues and I was very excited for nice. them. <laughs> yeah, I always thought he looked kind of cute. What do you give yeah. it, Romy? I'll give it an eight. I... I did enjoy that. I agree with the Lobo complaints and some of the other little stuff. But overall, I really like the issue. I like the issues that it raises now that Jeff brought up. I'll give it an eight. I'm I'm excited to see finally that yes, okay, Jor El is nuts. Let's deal with this. Yeah. All right, Invader folk. Mm-hmm. I didn't read it. Tell me about these invaders. Dude, oh, this that was, was a good comic. This was my favorite comic of the week. Mm. This this was. I love the invaders. I love the whole. Even more than the All-Star Squadron from DC, I just love this team of World War II superheroes fighting Nazis. Captain America, the original Human Torch, Bucky, and Namor. And this kind of deals, so it's got two different artists, right? Uh, Carlos Magno and Butch Geese. Geis? Geese. Geese. I think it's Geese. Geese. Butch Geese. Butch Gay. Um, Butch does the 1940s flashback to the war. Love and that stuff. Carlos does the modern stuff, which is kind of uh, Namor. Namor? Namor? God, what is wrong with my pronunciations today? <laughs> uh, Namor is kind of planning to attack the surface because he's pissed about stuff and also like always. Um, kind of interviews with the original Human Torch about that previous uh, time that they spent with Namor and Cap in World War II. Um, 
the two art styles are very different, but feel like they're in the same world. Like when you're re- when when you're reading the '40s stuff, it feels like you're looking at newsreel footage of the real world, which is illustrated by a different guy. Um, and the the plot is kind of is Namor such an asshole because he's suffering from PTSD from the war, which I thought was really a, a pretty cool way to approach this story. What war? Yeah, that's really cool. The World War II. The Great War. The Great War. No, yeah, that's World, World War One. The Greater War. I mean, I think they're all kind of great. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I I thought this was awesome. Yeah, I did, I did too. I really love that approach of is Namor messed up because he's suffering PTSD and it's never been diagnosed. I mean, John Byrne's Namor series in the 90s said it was our, like a hormonal imbalance maybe is why sometimes he – flooded New York and was trying to kill everybody on the surface. And other times he was like, no, I'll help you guys fight the Nazis. No, he killed a drunk driver. But yeah, this this goes (laughs) even deeper. I mean, I love this PTSD idea because it makes sense. World War II and then all these other wars he's been involved in. PTSD idea. (laughs) Good good one, bro. Thanks. (laughs) I like a genuine Roman laugh. It's really good to hear. It just keeps going and going. (laughs) I could feel his cheeks going out to his ears. On <laughs> part, part of the reason I'm happy to see this is because in 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 uh, Avengers, what the hell is that title? Avengers, he's been fighting the Avengers. He's threatening to destroy the surface world again and everything. And I, and I wanted to see some interaction between him and Cap, especially because they were teammates during the during World War II, combat buddies. That's a bond that. You know, people don't understand that haven't been there, and I wanted to see what they both had to say about that, and this series is going to answer that question. Yeah, I really like the way that Hickman and that new Avengers run, like, had their relationship. There was a mm-hmm. lot of unspoken respect between those two characters, even when they were disagreeing, and I think that that was yeah. really well done. Yeah. Yeah, so I didn't want to just see Avengers go, oh, well, we're fighting now, and no commentary on that. I like the Butch Geis art in it quite a bit. Mm-hmm. How is How is the writing, like... I guess I'm always still trying to figure out ship like how do I Chidirch, feel about Chidirch's uh, voice? You this know, he is... does great heart stuff, but he also does a lot of comedy stuff, and I like the comedy stuff a lot less. This is not comedy. Okay, this yeah. is this is Chip. I'm a very serious man, Zadarsky, which I was aware of Chip before he was much of a comic writer, uh, just from his Twitter. And he was hilarious. Like yeah. every single thing he put up there was my new favorite gag. Mm. And uh, it's really, it's really cool to see somebody kind of graduate from being uh, like Judd Apatow to Judd Apatow doing something very serious. Uh, and he's, I was actually thinking about that while I was reading this one. How if you can get the chops to string together a whole bunch of jokes and make something that makes people feel something, then maybe you can do that with something serious also. Yeah, I'm really excited to see him grow as a serious person. I didn't read this full issue because the modern day takes were so underwater and the art to me I couldn't get behind, though I liked the flashback art quite a bit. Like just the cult, it, it was a little too much a lot for of, me to, Yeah, looks like acid. Yeah, <laughs> I, uh, I'm really excited. I want to read this and spend more time with it. I didn't, I didn't read it. But. I love that they actually have a page or two where you get both artists because a lot of times it's everything split up yeah. one at a time. And this one is, this one has some mix. Yeah, that's true. I bet that they were like, okay, um, these pages were doing horizontal quarter shots. Yeah. So draw, you know, 
take a, an entire page, but divide it evenly into four horizontal panels, and then we're going to mix your guys' panels up. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. It's probably not super easy to get artists to be able to uh, co, co-page together, and that seems pretty impressive that they did that. Roman, did you like my suit? Did you see my vest? Uh, that's a beautiful vest. I love, I love the uh, the <laughs> Fantastic Four button right there holding it together. That's awesome. Well, it was falling off, so I had to put that on. It's a very good vest. <laughs> Justin, touch my belly. Oh, you industrious little bear. You, uh, yeah. <laughs> you hung out with me all day. I was at work. <laughs> you only slapped me around Hi, a little bit. Hi, Barry. Man. Put me on your lap, Jango. Uh, you're, in, you're, <laughs> you're on it. Yep. I can't put you there. You're already on I it there, know. buddy. I'm now. I would give this uh, seven and a half, I think. Um, and I would say that for me grading a Marvel book, that's like a, like a nine and a half. <laughs> Do you really mean that, Django? I really mean it, Justin. Okay. I want that cookie, but I'm not lying. <laughs> Yeah, he kind of covered his bases of seven and a half and nine and a half. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. I think it's Got really, really well good. Played. It's about a bunch of characters I don't no really identify with or connect with, and it felt like uh, Aquaman in the underwater parts. But the, just the the very end where they say that the king is mad because he's talking to himself, and they're talking about Namor. That's fucking cool. I like I like that, and I'm going to keep reading it. Yeah, yeah, and that and that the whole way they handled him. Losing his human buddy during the war. Oh yeah, that who was his human was buddy? So well done, Mike. Um, <laughs> yeah, what was his name? Um, he had a strange last <clears throat> name, and I don't know if that character has been, appeared before this issue. I I don't know. Um, just really, done. and I love the way they portrayed each of the characters. The, the original Human Torch being the one to kind of clue in to this. And, like, is that a character that's around much? Like, his rights switched to Dynamite for a while, and we had the Torch. It did. As far as I know, it's always been Marvel, timely Marvel. Um, Are you thinking I, of Solar? No, I like. Po- I went Torch. through Dynamite issues last night prepping <clears throat> for the party. There was a six-issue Dynamite series called The Torch that Alex Ross did the covers on. It's got him standing there in, like, a Christ pose. Hmm. Huh. Um, I, I get, know that one. That was okay. part of this Project Superpowers, I think. Okay. Okay. Yeah, maybe the same character. I didn't think of that. The guy's name's Tommy, by the oh, way. No. Sorry. Tommy. Sorry, Tommy. I called Tommy, you Mike. Tommy Machen or Machens, I think. Yeah. Oh, lady. That means that means he's lady. a robot, right? Oh, yeah. Yeah. The human torch. Yeah. The original human torch. Yeah. Yeah, I like that. Um, but the fact that that was in character for him being the one to be kind of method. Meth- I can't ever pronounce that word. Methodical. Methodical. Thank you. Um, and kind of clue into the fact that maybe Namor's got more going on here than we ever realized before, and we need to help him. He's got so some listen. depth. Chip Zdarsky. <laughs> Chip Zdarsky is writing Heroes in Crisis for Marvel, but he called it Invaders. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. There you go. Hmm. Um, I, w- I would, this will be my 10. 10? Yes. Wow. I, wow. Love, I love this. I can't wait to read the next one. I was very surprised that Zdarsky can be so serious and so deep. Yeah. Um, it was a Marvel and Dynamite book. Oh. Okay. My bad. Yeah, I've seen that cover. Oh, I remember that cover. Yeah. So, Guys, yeah. I listened. I, I opened the store on. Uh, I guess it was probably like uh, Sunday or Monday, one one of these days last week. I opened the store and I was listening to a podcast on my way to work. I think it was Radio Lab, and it was about uh, rooms of requirement. Mm-hmm. And they, you know, the room of requirement in Harry Potter. If you walk past it three times, thinking about what you need, it appears, and it's got whatever you need inside it. Whether you need a wand store or a bookstore or. You know, you need you need a car. Is this our advertising segment? No, no, no. I mean, yeah. Well, I'm advertising Radio Lab right now. Okay. Um, and Harry Potter. And yeah. And so they and requiring things. They mm-hmm. took that 
theme, and they applied it to libraries. So they have an episode about the room of requirement as if libraries are the room of re- requirement because they libraries do a lot of things other than just loan you books. They're amazing. Right? Um, and there was one episode. I was standing there. I showed up to work about 10 minutes late like I do, and I was counting as fast as I could and crying into the change <laughs> while I was listening to this podcast about libraries being a place that this little girl's family would take her when they were homeless and she didn't even know that they were homeless. And the librarian who found her one day and said, hey, you come in here four times a week. I think you would really like this book. And she gave her a book and it meant a lot to her. And the, like the story is that the, the girl as an adult finds this librarian and talks to her. And I was just standing there openly weeping into the change um, I don't remember why I started telling you that story just now, but uh, I think you guys, I, I think it might be worth checking out that podcast. It was, it was yeah, really effective sounds... and it kind of made me think of like, we have a bookstore that's a lot like a library for some people and we have a, like a place for people to go. And it's I also a lot like a therapist chair. Yeah. Yeah. And I like, I don't, I wouldn't presume to say that we have played that librarian's role for somebody, but it wouldn't surprise me if 20 years from now we found out that we had, you know. Yeah, it's kind of like a weird AI system built to give give you therapy. The store? PTSD. <laughs> yeah, the store. Heroes in Crisis is what he's oh, talking about. jeez. Good one, buddy. You can cut that out if you want, Jeff. But uh, Listen, man, was... I don't want to cut anything that anybody in this room ever says out. I just sometimes have to because we record for several hours. <laughs> um <laughs> All right, well, I just want to talk for a minute about Uncanny X-Men number 10 by Ed Brisson, Matthew Rosenberg, Kelly Thompson, and the art in this one was by Pereira Perez. Um, This is the final of the weekly issues of Uncanny X-Men, and I've talked about these in a variety of our podcasts. I've cut several of the discussions out because I don't have a ton to say at different times about this. It's been a really strange uh, 10-issue story, and now we're at the end of it. I think... If you're an X-Men fan, this was probably pretty good. I think that it's one of the better all-encompassing X-Men stories that we've had in the last couple of years. I think X-Men Red is the better of the team books that's come out in the last, like, two years. I certainly think that there's some, like, not perfect steps here, but I think that that is kind of always true when you've got a book that's written by several different writers and they're collaborating on it and sort of taking turns with arcs. Uh, I'm not into a lot of the characters in this, but they had a really wide breadth of characters. But what this one ends with is is basically Nate Summers dying and his sort of last thing that he does is he removes all of the X-Men from Earth which didn't feel like the most novel uh, story bit because there was the whole House of M thing where no more mutants but this seems like a more intentional mutants um, being removed from Earth and things being better and it's not like going into the far future something like House of M was so it's setting up the paradigm for that Age of X-Men series of like six issues, six things that's coming out. And uh, I don't know how those are going to be. I don't know where they're going to fit into the continuity because the next issue of this that comes out in a month is going back to an every two-week shipping schedule. And it's the main X-Men book on Earth with Cyclops and Wolverine coming back. So I'm not sure what sort of time we're going to spend over there doing that. But uh, yeah, this... I think was pretty good. I think for a weekly book, if you're really into the X-Men, this uh, this probably scratched a good itch for everybody. I like Colossus. I don't 
know a ton about X-Man. Uh, Justin mentioned that that's one of his more favorite X-Men, which is rad because I don't know too much about him. I don't love the X-Men Red, Jean Grey character design. You know, that's that's my thoughts on this. Apparently, uh, Legion was inside X-Man, and they were losing their shit. And I was sort of skimming some of these issues by the end, but I'm pretty excited for Matthew Rosenberg to be doing the bulk of the writing uh, in this series for at least the next arc. Uh, that's that's my thoughts on that. Uh, we had a weekly. I th- I I don't love a weekly series. I didn't need ten issues of a weekly series. I think I would have loved like a six issue monthly series. But X Men Disassembled Part Ten. It's done. We did it. We wrote a ten issue weekly X Men series, and I for the most part read all of it. And that's that's not so bad. So now there's no X Men <clears throat> on Earth. Yeah, except for we see Cyclops walking around reading an article about it, and and I. Some of the writing was pretty good. Like, when the story beats weren't my favorite thing, I think the writing was pretty good and, and vice versa. So so how does this affect the other X books, whichever X books there, there are? There are no other X books. Oh, there aren't? Okay. Yeah, I guess there's there X-Force. And then there's going to be Uncanny X-Men. There are these, like, six different four-issue miniseries that take place in this Age of X-Men thing. But I don't understand how that timeline could fit into here. I think it's, like, an entire different universe. Oh. And then it all culminates in the, like the new X Men with Wolverine and Cyclops saving the X Men or something. That's like the next issue of this next month. Oh, okay. Yeah. So anyway, I give the whole weekly thing a a seven. Uh, my my big frustration with it is that they needed to make it a weekly series, and I don't think that we need weekly series. But speaking of X Men, did you hear that Rob Liefeld's coming back to Marvel and creating a new character? I did see that. <laughs> did you character. see the character? Yeah. It looks like Deadpool in a helmet. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> You go, Rob. Dead you helmet. go. Just go. Dead helmet um, spelled with a Y. Yeah, but I am quite excited for Rosenberg to be the primary writer on this. So that's what I've got on that. Roman, can you give me a minute on Marvel Comics Presents? I can. Um, this, jeez, sorry. This is pretty cool. Uh, three stories, Wolverine, a Cap story, and a Namor story. Um, the, Wolverine, the first story with Wolverine is an ongoing by Charles Soleil. It's pretty intriguing. Deals with mysticism and Wolverine and a curse, apparently, that affects him and this family that started in during the war. Uh, something we didn't know, a little chapter of Wolverine's life. The Namor story was really good. Um, two na- good Namor stories in a week. Uh, it just deals with kind of Namor dealing with the trauma of Hiroshima because he tried to prevent it and failed. Um, and that guy's just a walking pile of PTSD, isn't he? Namor it? doesn't yeah. seem to do good. <laughs> yeah, yeah. There's been a whole hell of a lot of stuff. And then the Cap story, it was it was fun. It was inconsequential, but it was fun. It was Cap meets this teenager, and they hang out, and she's got a crappy life, but she worships him, and, and they ride motorbikes together and well, jump stuff. like it would warm the cockles of my cold heart. It reminded me of the Steve McQueen and the Great Escape. They're you know, jumping over stuff on their motorcycles. It's awesome. Yeah, Roman <laughs> in his preview podcast, that was his most excited panel of the week that he'd flipped through and he saw Captain America riding on a motorcycle with Bucky. He's yep, like, I can't yep. wait. To but then I read it and it was the least of the stories. But uh. they're all, it's all cool. I would give it a solid seven and a half. Nice. I'm going to briefly mention Black Widow number one. This is... Noteworthy because it is by Jen and Sylvia Sosko, which are two directors who've done a lot of cult movies that are pretty popular. And I think this had a pretty great voice, and the art was just fine. And it follows up um, 
on a lot of the sort of relationship between Black Widow and Captain America, and it's got a lot to do <clears throat> with people not trusting Cap still, because and people are pretending to be Captain America to sort of proliferate this idea that he's not a trustworthy, you know, idea or person to have around. and Like like a gang of people doing it or just like fake news kind of uh, like false flag stuff? stuff. False okay. flag stuff, yeah. Um, so it's basically weakening the idea of the real Captain America by having more Captain Americas that are saying anti-American Dude, things. That's that's one of my very favorite tricks in superhero stories. They did it with Batman in Batman Returns where he's got the sons of Batman. Mm-hmm. They did it with the shadow, where the shadow becomes like a pop culture icon, and people are just like mm-hmm. walking around, hanging Wait, out in old bars that dressed in like Batman the shadow. Returns? What happens? The Dark Knight Returns. Oh, Dark Knight Sorry, Returns. Dark Knight Returns. I thought we were talking about Tim, <laughs> no. Tim Burton, Michael Keaton. Timmy Burtz. No, although wasn't there something in one of those old Batman movies where other people were dressing up like Batman? Oh, no, it was in uh, uh, The Dark Knight, right? They were like, I don't wear hockey pads. Yeah. The, the, the vigilantes were dressed up like Batman and getting their asses kicked oh, by the bad right, guys. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, yeah. I love the idea of superheroes inspiring that kind of pop culture movement that kind of fucks them up mm-hmm. sometimes or sometimes helps them. Like the shadow gets lost in a crowd of people at a concert because they're all dressed like the shadow and it helped him. But I, yeah, no, I guess I just want to mention this. It, it's cool to get a Black Widow book, and uh, it takes place on New Year's Eve, and it's new creators that I'm not familiar with, and they have a really strong voice and a unique voice, and it's cool to get a Black Widow book. The last couple ones we've had have actually had really strong vibes. We had the Mark Wade, Chris Somney one, that and then we had cool. this one, and it's it's cool to it's cool to get a, a good book. I think it's going to be a mini. Um, I like it. If you're interested in Black Widow, you should check this out. This is a pretty promising direction for him. I give this a 7.5. Before we go, I'd like to talk about frostbite number two. Just following up 115 <laughs> weeks later. <laughs> no, I'll write a chant for frostbite number two. Oh, you know what? That's okay. You don't have to. I mean, I'm going to tell everybody I did, and it just got cut out of the podcast. We should listen to episode one again and reread the issues that we read on that and then do a new podcast re-reviewing those issues. Good idea. I think you guys will see that uh, frostbite was an important comic. <laughs> yeah, I mean, time has shown. Fucking Jason Alexander drawing it. It's good yeah, art. It had ice and tanks and yeah, and people with cold and, hands. Yep. Um. All right, everybody. That's it. Episode one fifteen. We uh, got a letter. We did get oh. a letter really quickly. Just a second. I forgot that we have a letter. Everybody, I, we have a letter from one of our favorite Chipinos. Hi guys. No. I sound like an asshole Hi, trying to... No, that was <laughs> no? pretty good. It was pretty close. You, yours was. Hi, guys. I just wanted to chime in on this week's books. But first, last week's X-23 was absolutely gabulous. You and your X-23. Gabulous. Gabby. It's like fabulous. F, G. Yeah. Gabby has an awesome action sequence that lasts three pages. Yeah. Anyway... As you know, I'm a bit of a Wolverine fan, so I was pumped to get not one, but two Wolvie books this week. A fun factoid about me, the first Wolverine X-Men book I ever read was Marvel Comics Presents Wolverine number one. Roman just reviewed number one. Well, number one of this current yeah. series. That first ten issues sets up the character Tiger Tiger and goes straight into Wolvie's ongoing series in 1988 where he is assumed dead and goes by Patch. So, much to my surprise, the best Wolverine book this week was Black Widow. (laughs) This book gives all the feels of Madripoor and Nat even – oh, oof. You're good at this, Dino. This book gives them all the feels of Madripoor and Nat even takes the guise of Patch. Tiger Tiger is in it. This book totally knocks it out of the park. 
Too bad the two actual Wolverine books couldn't live up to this book. Anyway, what are you guys' thoughts on all three books? Also, at some point, I would love to hear your X-Men team roster make it as long or short as you want. Okay, now for a bad joke. What comic book character has more lives than Catwoman? Give up? The Asgardians of the Galaxy's own Throg. He croaks every night. Keep killing it in 2019, Dino Chipino. Oh wow, Chipino! That oh Django. I'm sorry, Roman is loving that one. Croaks every night. <laughs> um, we did. Dino, the roster. you got to call in next time. I can't do your voice for too long. Yeah, Dino, call in. We'll do the we'll do the roster next. Hey, everybody, we're gonna write up uh, an eight team. How many members? Six members? Eight members of our ideal X-Men list to bring to Didn't next I give week? give one recently? We did, but it didn't make the podcast. <laughs> oh, okay. Yeah. Wait a minute. Didn't we? <laughs> well, what, what wasn't there two parts to that question? The roster and what was the first thing? We'd love to hear our he thoughts on the books. He croaks every night. No, it was just oh, oh, yeah, our thoughts on the books. We already talked about Black Widow. Yeah. Um, I talked about Uncanny X-Men. You talked X-Men. about Marvel Comics Presents. Okay, we covered the books. Yeah, jeez. Yeah. We just didn't do X-23 or whatever. All right. <laughs> that was last week. Listen. We've all been here every day for a week now, so I've got to go. I love you all. 115 episodes in the can. Everybody, thanks for listening. As always, uh, you can give us a call or you can write us an email. 1-619-663-7336. We would love a voicemail. Dino, I'm expecting one from you. Thank you for writing us an email. Anybody can write us an email at info at thecomicsplace.com. And, uh, Tell your friends to listen if they like comics. Yeah, or if they like buddies hanging out. Or um, real sexy voices. And it's also really easy to write us a review on your podcast app. God, uh, that would be so helpful. That would be awesome. Please write us a review. Uh, give us a star rating or whatever. And then uh, check out the extra podcast that y'all are getting this week that's just uh, sort of our customer appreciation party prep and post celebration. Yeah, yeah. Hype, hype, hype. I'm Jeff, and I'm going to take a nap. I'm Django. I'm already napping. I'm Justin. I feel like Venom hit me with his car. <laughs> uh, I'm Roman. I'm 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 dying for something to eat. So maybe wants to go do dinner. You weirdo. You're gonna eat before they hear this. All right. You don't know me. Well, I can eat. We can eat later. Can I briefly also say Conan the Barbarian is awesome. <laughs> this new Conan series is awesome. Surprise, surprise, Roman like Conan. <laughs> that is a surprise. Is it? Is it really? Oh, we got a Waters. Uh, yeah,